Hey folks, Chop here. Just wanted to take a quick second before we get started to let you know we had some technical issues with one of our microphones for the first chunk of the podcast. You'll hear some weird tapping and other noises for the opening segments of the show, but I just want you to know that we resolved the issue, so if you stick with us, it will go away. We hope you enjoy the show, and here's some smooth jazz to play you in. Greetings, and welcome to episode 31 of the Loaded Cart Podcast. Join Paul, Daniel, and their occasional guests as they talk about the things they love and hate about video games and the gaming industry. In this week's episode, the boys from Experience Grind join us to talk about the Sega Saturn and the Sega Dreamcast. R.I.P. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to the Loaded Car Podcast. It's time once again for a console retrospective. Today we're talking about the unsung heroes of Sega, the Dreamcast and the Sega Saturn. I am Paul. What's Paul playing today? And with me, as always, is Dan, otherwise known as Chop the Viking. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. As you hear tapping, we have a couple of guests today. We got Ryan and Kyle of Experience Crying. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks yeah. for having us on, man. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, going to be tricky to kind of find my mouthing. Nope, that's not the right word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already I'm out. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ryan. I, I think it's the end of the cast right now, so if you yeah. like this, you can find this over at... <laughs> nice. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, right, yeah, Ryan has the mouth issues, not me. So oh. I just want to yep. establish yep. that. Yep. I, uh, yeah, I often have redos. As you'll hear in so the I'm story, Ryan. I have mouth yep. <laughs> So no, thanks Thanks for having us, guys. We, uh, I know me, myself, I, I listen to the Loaded Cart podcast when you guys release. I, I'm a big fan of it. I'm very excited to be on the show today, actually, so... Thanks. Nice. It's, it's good to have you guys on. Uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your podcast? Because you guys also have a gaming-oriented podcast, if I understand things correctly. Yeah, I'm going to put him on the spot. Ryan, why don't you get take this one? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of knew you were going to do this. Of course. So uh, Ex Experience Grind is kind of like a, a weekly book club where every week we talk about a certain game or movie that we love. We kind of started off just talking about our favorite things. And then from there, we've branched off and done just all kinds of good movies, bad video games, bad movies, just everything in between. Um, really, it's kind of down to just kind of what fans want for the most part, like kind of what we're getting. We're getting feedback and catering some episodes around there, but there's still some things that we just do for ourselves, like uh, no, no big spoiler or anything, like by making Kyle play through Mischief Makers right now, which is one of my favorite 64 games. But I was going to bring that up anyways. Struggling. Yeah. <laughs> God, that game did not age well. So, spoiler. Uh, you know, disagree. Fucking but nothing. 64 aged well. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, what we're about. Fuck How everything on my console. Get together, because Paul. I remember mm. from what's Paul playing today. Actually, Dan and I have known each other for going on twenty years now. Yeah, it's oh. it's been a while. Yeah, we actually played a mutual. Um, we mutually played a text-based RPG called Threshold. We met through that and uh, went to a couple of cons together, and then basically 
Dan was like, hey, at one of the conventions, actually, Dan was like, hey, you want to start a podcast? I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. literally the exact same way I approached it to Ryan, except it was, why aren't we doing a podcast? And yeah. he's like, yeah, why don't we? And that's exactly the same way, though. Yeah, I just sort of shrugged, like, went with it, like, okay, you know. Yeah. I'm with that. I guess I'll show up and talk about video games. <laughs> I do that anyway. Might as well try and get paid for it. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty key. much. Boy, trying to unlock that door still. Yeah, I think we all are. Thanks, Patreon supporters. Hey. <laughs> we love you. We do. We do. All, all right. right. So, first things up, what has everyone been playing recently other than apparently Mischief Makers? I mean, I got to give you give to you guys. You guys go first. Uh, well, I just, uh, as of, I think, yesterday or two days ago, after seven years, I finally platinumed Final Fantasy thirteen. Nice. Uh, so that was, wow. that was a big move. And then uh, two weeks before Leading that... Leading everybody to ask, why? Yeah, I know. It was the biggest experience grind I think I've ever done, personally. God, that is such a grind to get that last trophy. I'm sure. I uh, did that... I I've heard you've been you've been talking about this for a while. Yes, and yes. this seems uh, like you even weren't enjoying it for oh, part no. of it. So what what made you do this? Because it was Just... the last fucking one to do, man. And like I was more than eighty percent of the way through it. It is just literally the biggest grind I've ever had in any game to finish that fucking thing out, man. So what was the last achievement you needed? It was Treasure Hunter, which is you have to, at some point, have in your inventory every accessory and weapon in the game. What makes it a bitch is that, like, eight of the accessories take this one. So, like, you can upgrade items and accessories similar to, like, Kingdom Hearts, where, like, you can transform them into other things with whatever. Uh, And, like, eight of the items take this one thing to transform them that cost almost a million gill. But the only way to get a high amount of gill is to fight this one Adamantoys, and he just has a one in like five chance to drop an item you can sell for 150,000 gill. So, I mean, you got to fight those endlessly, hoping to get at least eight to sell to buy one of those fucking things. And it just goes on and on and on and on. Everything about this just makes me sad. Yeah, again, I I yeah. only did it just to finish it because I got so far seven years ago when I was unemployed and had nothing else to do. So I just finished it. So that was that literally happened like two days ago. Is there a way to I, find out how many people have gotten all of those achievements? Yeah, uh, it's actually of all the people who have played Final Fantasy 13 on the PlayStation 4, I am one of two percent who has gotten that achievement. Nice. That's actually a, a so, pretty good achievement there. <laughs> it's very, very, very small amount of people who actually suffered through that. Probably know, very, very, very small reward, thing. small yeah. gratification. Yeah. And I'm not even an achievement hunter. Short. That was one I just I had to do. I don't know why. Uh, that's a solid fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that that's it for me. Other than that, and other Final Fantasies, I'm I'm playing ten now. I also platinum fifteen not long ago, but kind of a Final Fantasy fanboy, so but that's me. Ryan, what about you, buddy? Uh, lately, I have been playing Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. I missed it when it came out, but uh, we bought it right away. My wife played through it, and this has been just the best game ever, in her opinion. This is 
no other game comes close. Oh, I don't know anything about games because I've not played Witcher yet. And oh, you think Final Fantasy has a good story? Well, Witcher is so much better. This is how it's been in my house for like the last two years. Just the Witcher's <laughs> the best. Everything else is shit. And uh, so I finally decided to play it, and it's really good. Don't know if it's the best, but it does storytelling and characters far better than a lot of games out there. Um, and this is coming from a huge Bioware fan and even just got through Final Fantasy 15, which we'll probably talk about on a podcast coming up soon. And it's just like, those side quests, goddamn. Like, I have to feed a hungry cat a fish, or, but like, it's a special cooked fish and it's just a bunch of back and forth and just point, it, it, it feels just like artificial game lengthening. The, the only reason I'm doing these tasks is to hit like an hour quota. Whereas like, a dumb one-off side quest in The Witcher, like, is better than some of like the main missions in Final Fantasy 15 and just very <laughs> unique and intriguing. Um, so I have a lot of high things to say about the game. A lot, a lot of high praise to give it. I already feed my cat. I don't need to feed a virtual cat. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, the thing he's talking about feeding that cat too, I think is like 20,000 gil, which is all your gil at that point in the game. It's, yeah. It's very early on. Yeah. I, I did it with uh, a little bit less, but at the same time, I just, I don't, why do I need to feed this cat? I already have one. She's right there. She's sleeping. Oh, I don't, yeah. I don't need to feed a virtual yeah. cat. <laughs> I did it one time and then the cat popped up again, like 20 hours later. I was like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> Get not out doing of this anymore. Get behind me, Satan. What so, about you, Dan? What have you been playing? I've actually not been playing a whole hell of a lot because I took a big trip this weekend, but I've mostly been playing uh, Elite Dangerous again because I got started back in it. And Sure. God damn it. It's a lot of fun it really um, is i've been smuggling in elite dangerous which is scary as shit sometimes because to in order to not get scanned to so that the police know that you have illegal cargo you have to like run in silent mode where you basically turn everything off and so all of your shields power down and you you can still steer and you have like all of your exhaust fence closed so that your ship is just constantly heating up so that you have no heat signature from the outside of your ship so they can't scan your signature and and you're trying to race into a station to <laughs> get to a landing pad as quickly as possible so you don't get scanned and it's very tense well the fun part is is when you're flying a giant ship like a type 6 yeah. doing these doing these giant smuggling runs and you're coming in as fast as you possibly can in, in this giant ship and something like a beluga cruise ship comes flying out of the gate coming the opposite direction while you're going like 300 kilometers an hour and like <laughs> you have no shield so if you hit the ship or the station you die yes Damn. not only that but it just you you can't you don't have an oh fuck button and you can't stop as far as I can tell right no 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 like I could power down but I would I would drift <laughs> and hit something so then I just yeah. wouldn't be able to steer because I wouldn't have any you know propulsion that game has a a multiplayer component too right there's other oh, people yes. in oh yeah are huge. they, they trying can they like steal your cargo if they see you yes, or they can shoot really? you down they can yep. if all right I like if that. Playing, if you're playing an open like yeah players will generally ruin your day if you uh, run across the wrong people. I know, Dan, uh, I know Dan and I generally run on the Wolves of Jonai server. Yeah, we, we run in a, usually playing in a private group where they're, they're mostly not PvP oriented. Like, I think you can't yeah. engage in PvP on their server or you get kicked out. Um, Pretty much. 
but yeah, in the open servers, it's kind of notorious for people pirating other players. And if you go into a hazardous zone, like you can be in a lot of trouble. So, oh, yeah. Um, so, somewhat similar to Eve, a little bit, but I think it's much more, and I, I mean this like arcadey almost, right? Um, like, I would so, say streamlined. Yeah, stream, so, okay. Yeah, that's a good way well, to put it. So Eve is third person and is much more tactical and more kind of your standard almost MMO combat. Like you click on someone and you you set to attack and you manage your ship. In uh, Elite Dangerous, you fly the ship. Like yeah, you are first person pilot. Yeah, it's first person pilot. Okay, tight. So like kind, of, kind of a lot like the the old school Wing Commander style games stuff like that. Very nice. Yeah. All right. I can, I can get into that for sure. So that's a, why it's so hectic when yeah. you're flying as fast as possible on a giant ship carrying a bunch of illegal cargo and you, uh, you know, have another giant ship flying out of this tiny little slot that you're trying to fly through. <laughs> yeah. And there's no tractor beams, unlike the Death Star or Star Destroyers. No. Right. Pretty much, okay. yeah. I All mean, right. you're flying into a mailbox slot. That's really what it boils down to. All right. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk mad love about Elite Dangerous. I just have not checked it out because there's an infinite amount of other games I'm yeah. attempting to play. So It is an enjoyable game. Yeah, I've well, honestly not heard a lot about it. I would highly recommend checking it out. It actually exists on the Xbox One if people want to check it out at a minimal entry point because I think it, yeah. you basically just buy the game. Um, and, mm -hmm. and it can use a gamepad like i don't think i could personally do it after using a, a hotas i don't know how no, no how i would ever use a, a controller but people do it um, so when i originally and i think they're working on a ps4 version of the game i believe so yeah so when i originally started playing elite dangerous i started trying it on the uh the xbox one controller like the, the base xbox one controller and i'm sitting there like i i can't do this and the next day i went on bought a hotas and for, for those of you who don't know, it's HODAS is, stands for Hands on Stick and Throttle. Oh, that's pretty oh. badass. So it, it's like a joystick. Yes. Yeah, it, like a it's... full flight stick with the, the throttle control and everything. That's badass. All right. I like the sound of that. Well, yeah, that sounds like a much better way to play it. Yeah, yeah it really is. Man, so, just... for example, just I'm holding it up for uh, our experience grind guests to see. Oh, wow. Yeah, it is a literal hands on stick and throttle. So... Just as quick side tangent, did you guys ever play uh, that Xbox game with the three hundred dollar controller, Steel Battalion? The hard pass, no. I did not. No. <laughs> I would have loved it. I had a I had a rich friend that had it, and I played it, and uh, I hated it. And uh, I could not have imagined spending three hundred dollars on it. It was infuriating. And... Yeah. But they had a windshield wiper button, Kyle. They sure yes. did. Yes, they did. I sure did. You're right. I, I take it all back. Windshield wiper. Ten out of ten. What's wrong with you? <laughs> if there was a if there was a chocobo in it, you'd like it. I probably would. To be honest with you, Zing. I probably would. I'd give it a chance. <laughs> nice. Sad. Well, I guess. Look, can I can I ask this question? So we we have one last one to ask. <laughs> What's Paul been playing? Oh, oh did, is oh. that was that terrible? Is that terrible? Uh, it was a solid attempt. Nicely done. It was a solid attempt. Um, <laughs> I'm so, sorry. That's okay. So I'm getting a lot of flack from my squad over on FIFA 17 that I have not mentioned that I've been playing with them. I've been playing FIFA 17 with my squad mates. It's been a lot of fun. There you go, Dan. You can shut up now. I've also been playing... Uh, not you, Dan. The other Dan. 
understand. Yeah. The, I've also been playing Bloodborne with a childhood friend of mine that uh, we just uh, have been tearing through the game because I really, really love Bloodborne. It has probably gotten to a point where it's my, I honestly think it's my favorite Soulsborne game. Uh, also been playing Nio, which is uh, by Team Ninja, the guys who made it in black. Um, yeah. They made a really, really solid Souls-like game. I love it. It is tough as shit it really is they've they've taken the souls formula and turned it on its ear and it's been a lot of fun and uh been trying to fit in some time to finish up the our next game corner game call of war as gunslinger yeah uh, I, need to, I need to pour some time into that over the next week or so so yeah yeah i'm working on that too uh i i will finish that before our next game corner i've already finished it once but i want to finish it again because it is yeah. just so much fun but the, that's a minor spoiler for our episode I've not gotten into Neo. A good friend of ours on the show, Nathan, was a big fan of Bloodborne. So big, in fact, that he created a second uh, PSN account just so he could platinum the game again. He loved it so much. It hasn't um, been out very long, though. No, but uh, he's he's pretty good at the the all the Dark Souls games in general. But Bloodborne's easily his favorite too. That's fair. Um, I like it. I think it, for me personally, it has the best story. I like that Cthulhu esque. Fucking yeah. space monstrosity. Oh, Bloodborne? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's it uh, so good. It scratches a weird itch I didn't know I had, and it scratches it well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I can get behind that. All right. So, do we have any uh, news that's going on that you want to talk about, Paul? Uh, actually, there's been a lot of teasing of a new character for Overwatch coming up. Uh, specifically, oh, gosh, I can't remember her name. Not um, Doomhammer. It is not. It is a. They have been teasing Doomhammer for a while, too, though. They've been teasing Doomhammer for a while, but it is a character named Effie Oladell. O-L-A-D-E-L-E. Uh, she's an 11-year-old robotics and AI expert from Nubande. Um, apparently, she's going to be likely... It's that this is, this is before Tuesday the 28th, so we don't know yet whether who the new character is or even if the character has dropped because it's that it on the 28th is going to drop so effie could be out she could not be out we don't know but since she's 11 years old i'm going to say that blizzard's probably going to hesitate to put an 11 year old in the middle of um high intensity combat and she'll probably be piloting a mech like she'll be remote piloting uh what could be a uh spider tank oh similar to uh ghost of the shell yeah oh. Yes. <laughs> well, Diva Diva manually pilots her mech. I'm talking about like auto, like piloting it remotely. Oh, okay. She's so not like going to be directly in combat. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Uh, in this case, it'd be like this. The her, it's theorized that she'll be in a spider tank, or at least she'll be, you know, piloting manually or remotely a spider tank. Which I'm kind of hoping it's a case, but I really, really want to see Terry Crews in Overwatch. <laughs> I, when everybody else and Blizzard is fucking up, if they're not making that happen. It depends on the money. It's always about the money, man. It is. It is. Well, there's one thing that I will say for Blizzard is that if they were going to do something like put Terry Crews into Overwatch, they're going to take their time and do it right. That's they're that's not exactly gonna. It. They're not gonna just have him half-ass come in and and do some stuff. They're they're probably gonna pull him in. They're gonna sit him down, and they're really going to like incorporate Hammer. him into the character. Yeah, they're going to hammer it out to make sure that Terry Crews has 100% blended with Doomfist. <laughs> they, did, uh, they did give me the Asmo Dunk skin for Asmodon in Heroes of the Storm, and I bought that the day it came out because that is 
as they seem to get what the fans want. I yes. feel Blizzard more than mm -hmm. most companies, and they cater to that very well. So I think if we don't see Terry Crews in there, uh, I'll be surprised at yeah. some point in the future. I'll be astonished. Yes. I mean, they seem very eager to, well, Terry Crews seems very eager to work with them. And, you know, they'll, I don't think they're going to pass up on a, on a notable celebrity who wants to work with them that would actually bring positive spin to their game. So, absolutely. Like, he, he was over the moon when he had a visit over at Blizzard HQ. He was tweeting out pictures, just having all kinds of fun with it. Yeah. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something, but yeah. All right. So. There's one more thing, though. Yeah. But I think that you you uh, you sent over to me that I want to hear about right now. Yeah. So, this is kind of an interesting accomplishment in the world of retro gaming. Oh yeah, I know exactly what you guys are going to talk about. Yeah, and you didn't even send it to me. Yeah, so there's yeah, a I think there's, I do too. <laughs> there's a Twitch streamer who goes by the name the Mexican Runner, who completed all 714 NES games, and it took him 3,435 hours to do it. Jesus Christ. That's about how long it took uh, Kyle to finish Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> but so apparently back in 2014, he was getting burned out trying to better his speedruns on Super Castlevania 4. So he was just talking to his audience is like, you know, well, what should I do? I want to do something else. And one of his fans said something like, well, how about instead of beating NES games as fast as possible, you try to beat every game ever made? So not speedruns, but just beat all of them. So he is the first known person to beat every legitimately released NES game. So he beat 679 North American games and the 35 PAL exclusive titles for the NES which is just insane to think about. And note that he has omitted a lot of the, well, all of the uh, non-licensed NES titles. Well, that's yeah. a good call, because those are garbage. Yeah. Some of those you can't beat at all, no matter I what. I would say those are garbage, because well, there's a lot of ones that are released in the last, like, four or five years that have been pretty sweet. Okay, I'm, I was referencing more like the ones the nerd has talked about, like Cheetah Men and... That's fair. Uh, Action 52. Yeah, Action 52, Noah's Ark. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't know they were still even releasing games for that. I do know that there are still people releasing games for the Sega Dreamcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yeah, there are, there are actually people making Nintendo carts and literally just going to a place and making carts and just having fun with that. I don't know why, right. but... Mm. Well, are they original games, like uh, games that are being developed now, or are they reproductions or reprints? Well, they're not reproduction cards. They're actually games that are either reskinned or, or modded games. Like, I know that there's a Castlevania mod for the original Castlevania that basically takes a lot of the the um, the current, uh, what was in the original, the original game, and twists it a little bit, makes it into a harder experience or a different game entirely. It's pretty interesting. Hmm. It sounds interesting. I don't need know if I need a uh, Castlevania any harder. <laughs> I still see that first one on NES. That's true. That's true. I know re there was that. Uh, I think it's called Pierre Solar. The that guy made that originally for the Genesis, and then it got it like a Steam release. I, I believe that was the game. It was an RPG. Can't say I heard of that one. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I remember hearing about that. I just I don't remember what the name is off the top of my head. I think I have it on PS4. It's P I E R Solar. 
but I'm pretty sure it wasn't originally. He made it for like a, the, the just the regular Genesis. Yeah, Pure Solar. Yeah, uh, it only got us. Unfortunately, it's not very well reviewed. It's it's a hard RPG for sure. I bought it and then, but yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's definitely holy crap. Not friendly, but it looks cool. It was released on the Sega Genesis, Dreamcast, Ouya, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, Xbox One, Wii U, Microsoft Windows, OS X, GNU, Linux, and Android. Yeah. We I mean, a lot of stuff. There. <laughs> I was surprised by the Ouya. And people still yeah, that, for that shit. Yeah, that was that was a super duper failure. Oh. <laughs> it got bought by NVIDIA and is now part of the NVIDIA Shield thing. Yep. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. That's a smart move. Uh, man. Or not NVIDIA. Sorry, it was bought by Razer, and it's part of Razer's weird. Uh, oh. Meh. Razer has a Android gaming streamy set-top box now. Yeah. All right. So, topic? First of all, we're talking about two consoles today, and there's a reason we're talking about two consoles today. Mostly it's because Sega Saturn did not do too hot. Unfortunately. And, and then sadly, the Dreamcast also did not do too hot. Yeah. There's and, a lot of good reason for both though. Yeah. See the Sega Saturn was just this weird thing. So kind of the history behind the Saturn is that it was developed by Sega because they were looking for a successor to the Genesis because as they were doing better and better arcade games, the Genesis wasn't able to handle them. So they they started like they had a couple of really big arcade games, Virtual Racing and Virtual Fighter, that the Sega Genesis just couldn't handle. Um, so as part of this thing, they partnered with Hitachi and made the SH2 chip, which eventually got thrown into the 32X, which got slapped onto the Genesis to help it handle, you know, fancier games. Um, that mushroom toilet looking thing. Yes. And uh mm-hmm. So just kind of some funny stuff that they did with that. And what's interesting is that the Sega Saturn actually has two of those chips in it. So as far as I know, it's the first dual processor home console, which is kind oh. of interesting. Yeah, like, I didn't know that. What's the uh, the next dual processing system after the Saturn to come um, out? Well, I don't... So it's either going to be the Saturn or the uh, Atari Lynx. No, is it the Lynx? No, the Jaguar had two. Yeah. That was the Jaguar. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it depends on which came out first, the Jaguar or the Saturn. Okay. Because the Jaguar had two 32-bit processors in it, which made it a 64-bit console, in air quotes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they claim to be the first 64-bit console. Have but you ever seen the games on that thing, though? Yeah, they were like... Not. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the funny part is that the, the processor that was in the Saturn was also a 32-bit processor. But it only ran code in 16-bit, which sounds really weird. But apparently, it was better because it ran like that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a weird electronics person. So the Jaguar I... actually came out first. Okay. It came out in uh, 1993 in North America, November 23rd, whereas the Sega Saturn came out a year later, November 22nd, yeah. in Japan. But it didn't come out to North America until May of 1995. Which we're going to get to, because that is a hilarious story unto itself. Oh, yes. 
So something that's kind of neat about the Saturn that connects it to other hardware, which is kind of fun, is that uh, at the last minute, because of rumors of what Sony was getting ready to launch with the PlayStation, Sega changed the system hardware at the last minute. Like people thought the system hardware was done. It was ready to go to production. And they were like, no, we need to add a new coprocessor to it to help it render 3D images. So they added this processor in. And Sega of America was like, that's not a very good graphics processor. We think it should be handled differently. So they partnered with a company called Silicon Graphics to create an alternate design of the Sega Saturn with a different graphics chip in it, which eventually Sega of Japan was like, no, we're going to go with this one that we picked because it's cheaper. Wow. I didn't know any of that, actually. Just... So the, the fun part is that Silicon Graphics took all of that technology that they were working with Sega for the for the Saturn and went over and used it in the Nintendo 64. Really? Yep. Damn. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So it's just this kind of <laughs> interesting time in the history of video games where Nintendo was trying to make a CD drive for mm -hmm. the Super Nintendo had a falling out with Sony and the Sony went on to make the PlayStation had a falling out with Philips and Philips went to make the CDI and now, <laughs> and now Sega originally was working with Sony. And then like, they kind of said, no, we, we, we have two different ideas on this because Sony wanted to focus on 3d games and Sega wanted to be able to do 2d and 3d games. And so Sony was like, okay, well, we're not going to agree on this. So we're going to go over here and do our own thing. And then, Sega ended up working with Hitachi and, you know, kind of, and then Silicon Graphics, who was trying to work with Sega, got booted to the curb and went over to Nintendo and made the N64. So kind of just this weird people getting kicked to the curb and going to work with the competition is kind of funny. Well, I have always remembered this time period as the time that Sega seemed to routinely shoot itself in the foot. Yes. Like, yeah. They, they would have a great idea. And then they would just fuck it up completely and be like, yeah. oh, but hey, we're Sega. Remember we made Sonic and hope that they could skate by on that. And nobody, it's like, yeah, we need so, more, you guys. And yeah. so what just, Nintendo's doing now? Yeah. And, and that's, mm -hmm. I was actually going to bring that up. It is very, very similar to what is happening to Nintendo now. Uh, especially, yeah. we're. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about console gimmicks, which started, I feel, with the Dreamcast and have just been multiplied by nintendo well, well there were a shit ton of gimmicks on the nes yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah well the yeah NES is always mm -hmm. the king of yeah. gimmicks <laughs> but so yeah, rob the robot <laughs> so if you want to talk about how much sega shot themselves in the foot this is this is some great metrics here right so the saturn launched in japan on november 22nd of 1994 a couple of weeks before the Sony PlayStation launched in Japan. So the first day of sales in Japan, they sold out all 200,000 units that they had on available for sale of the Saturn. They scheduled their second shipment for the day the PlayStation launched. <laughs> oh my God. They it's actually it's actually a kind of a good idea. Yeah. Right, because if this PlayStation sold out, then you can go and get a Saturn. It's easily available. Well, for the or entire, you undercut the sales of the PlayStation. For the, 
Yep. For the entire first year of their lives, the so- Sega Saturn outsold the Sony PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And by the end of 1995, Sega had sold over 500,000 Saturns in Japan, and Sony had only sold 300,000 PlayStations. That's very shocking. And it was that next year is where Sony started turning things around, and it's because of the big screw-up at E3, which is basically where Sega really started shooting itself in the foot. So this is... yeah. This is actually kind of one of the most infamous marketing things like in the history of video games almost, I think, at this point. It's up there um, with Ridge Racer and Giant Enemy Crabs for sure. <laughs> I immediately think of Giant Enemy Crabs in the PlayStation 3 launch. Yes, yeah, that, that was, I think it was a dynasty. You have to get them on the back to do massive damage. <laughs> yeah, they were ta- it, was, it was an E3 presentation. They were presenting a historically accurate... Japanese uh, oh, uh, fighting like game, and they, they keep talking about historical accuracy, and then all of a sudden, giant enemy crabs out of nowhere, and that That's, became a meme for that year. That so. was hilarious. Okay, so this is back for the Sorry, very, uh, very first E3. So March of 1995, prior to E3, that was that was spelled correct, Paul. <laughs> so. In March of 95, Sega of America got to announce that the Saturn would be released starting on Saturn Day, September 2nd <laughs> of 1995. Yes, it, it was actually a Saturday, but they were calling it Saturn Day because marketing gimmicks. Um, and that was the original title, but... Yeah, but Paul, Paul deleted the end for some reason because <laughs> he thought he was fixing the spelling. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Sega of Japan wanted to beat Sony in the U.S. because Sony was beginning to catch up to them in Japan. So at E3, which happened in May, so like two months later at E3, Sega comes out on stage and making this huge announcement about the Sega Saturn. And they're like, it's going to cost $399. It's going to come with Virtua Fighter. And because of consumer demand... There are 30,000 Saturns available in the U.S. that were delivered to Toys R Us, Babbage's, Electronics Boutique, and Software, etc. that were available immediately that day for sale, jumping six months ahead of their actual planned release schedule. Mm -hmm. And this pissed off a bunch of retailers because they were not included in the four that they sent consoles to. Yeah. Like Best Buy. Mm -hmm. And Walmart and KB Toys. KB Toys, who at the time was a massive competitor to Toys R Us, was so pissed off, they pulled everything Sega made and stopped selling it in their stores. Jeez. Spite is a massive motivator. And KB Toys at the time was basically in every shopping mall in the country. Yeah. That's where I used to get my games. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously not Sega ones at a certain point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so so that's shooting themselves in the foot with the retailers. Yep. But the best part is what is uh, I think called the like the price heard around the world I think is the uh joking jokingly what this is uh... called. So Sony in their big press conference at this first D3 went to announce the PlayStation and I I will link a video in the show notes because the video is absolutely hilarious. So this one guy's talking, 
and he's just talking and rambling and rambling and it, it's, it's just kind of this very slow stupid thing like he's just filling time and then he calls up like the head of the playstation division this guy steve race and he's like steve i come up here and, and i you have a little announcement you want to make and this dude comes up out of the crowd step walks up on stage walks over to the microphone leans down and goes 299 and then just walks off the stage and goes back to his seat <laughs> and literally gets a like a pretty much a standing ovation from the crowd because they just undercut the saturn by a hundred dollars and that's all people wanted needed to know and the saturn got destroyed by the playstation in the u.s oh yeah mm -hmm. it also wrecked it also didn't help that they only had six launch titles for the Saturn. There was also the high price, um, all that other fun stuff we mentioned, and it only ended up selling selling nine point two six million units worldwide. Yeah, there were. I mean, there were so many problems with the Saturn. I mean, on top of yeah. those, um, well, you know, I know it was. Gran Turismo like, One sold more copies than the Sega Saturn sold units. That's insane, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one place. That's like the best-selling PlayStation 1 game sold more copies than yeah. the Saturn sold consoles. Yeah, and just, again, with the PlayStation, like, it was it was cheaper. That gets into more people's mm -hmm. homes. It starts to dominate the market. And then you know, it's hard to catch up. It's, it's very... You see the same thing play out with a lot of other console launches, like... When the fucking PS3 launched, six hundred bucks, and everybody's—it's like, dude, I'm not paying six hundred bucks for that. Or like this, mm -hmm. la the big uh, PS4, Xbox One, when PS4 came in and undersold the Xbox One, and they yeah. just—they seem to keep shooting themselves in the foot. It's—it's it's this weird cycle that seems to happen. There's always the sacrificial console at like a E3. It seems. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's well, just I mean, competition. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, I mean, one's was... always going to be the underperformer. And that was actually the whole point of the Xbox when it launched. Like Microsoft was like, mm -hmm. we are intentionally going to take a loss on every console we sell because we want to beat Sony. Yeah. They mm -hmm. didn't, but no. they, that was their goal. And they did with the 360. That's the reason why we have the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One now is because yeah. Sony was so aggressive with that pricing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then we get to the sad story of the Dreamcast, oh, which. Man. <laughs> it's really sad because it was a fantastic console. Couldn't I, agree more. I love this console. I think it maybe is my favorite console. It's it's weird to still say. Whoa. Yeah. The, the Dreamcast <laughs> just had. I don't know, man. It was. It had cool stuff. It was unique. I remember being wowed by this yeah. thing the first time I saw it at a GameStop. So one of the cool things about the Dreamcast is it was one of the first consoles to have hardware anti-aliasing. So everything looked better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I want to say the PlayStation 2, I'm trying to remember the name of the game that was the first one to have it, but um, Volition, might have been Summoner, was the first one to figure out how to do software anti-aliasing on the PlayStation 2. But yeah, so basically games just literally looked better on the Dreamcast because the hardware was better at rendering it and it rendered it differently than everyone else. And that's like, literally, you can take side by side the exact same game on the PlayStation 2 and the Dreamcast, and it will look better on the Dreamcast because of the way the graphics is rendered. It's 
it was that's why it was such an amazing console like it just it literally looked better because it literally looked better even though it's the same right. resolution and everything like it's it's just this weird thing it's it's why you use anti-aliasing on a graphics card to make a game look better it's true that that sounds uh technologically correct <laughs> that said in my uh distorted young dumb memory i have it like the dreamcast always looked really clear and sharper like yes. sharper lines that's but that's, the playstation that's what, had like deeper color palettes yeah but that's what any aliasing does it makes the line sharper yeah. it makes everything really crisp and like that's why a lot of people are like man like these games look so good it's such a shame this console's not doing very well mm -hmm. from um, a july 1st 2000 article on ign it is in fact summoner yeah, volition I, made. I knew it was volition. I just couldn't remember which game it was. <laughs> I just, I, I think Summoner sticks out because of that. Uh, is it Dead Alewives thing with the I want Cheetos? Like, the, I, I'll find the video and I'll put it in the show notes. It's pretty funny. Like <laughs> Summoner, <laughs> yeah, volition took this Dead Alewives skit and uh, like put it with Summoner characters, and they're playing like D and D around a table, and it's, hmm. it's just it's really silly and hilarious especially when it's with the summoner characters instead that's fair but i don't know how to to say like what happened with the dreamcast without just being really salty because i'm still really salty about this but basically it's sony's fault because sony like when the people announced the dreamcast sony started hyping up the playstation 2 mm -hmm. and like made all of these really amazing promises that never actually happened for the playstation 2 like they promised an internal mm -hmm. hard drive so you wouldn't need save cards anymore. Mm -hmm. Like they promised you would be able to like it would come with internet connectivity and you had to buy the internet card separately. Yeah. It, they just they promised all of the shit that sounded super amazing and then none of it was there. And it's just like you guys are a bunch of dicks and you literally just got people to not buy a Dreamcast so they would hold off for the PS2. And like then you didn't actually do what you said you were going to do with the PS2. So wait, they're the Peter Molyneux of consoles? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would totally agree with you there. Yeah. And uh, uh, British turd. <laughs> yeah. So and like unfortunately that's what happened. Like Sony, like there's this big advertising campaign. People were super looking forward to the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox kind of to a degree also. And like people just we're like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to buy a Dreamcast. I'm going to wait and I'm going to see what the PlayStation 2 is going to be like. And this is how bad it was. The Dreamcast was released in November of 1998 in Japan and was discontinued in March of 2001. Yep. It was released September 9th, 1999 in the US and discontinued on March of 2001. It was out for a year and a half. Also known as, uh, I remember, I remember all the hype leading up to the Dreamcast. They launched it on. They had all these commercials saying yep. nine nine ninety nine. Yep. All that shit. They were hyping this thing up, man. I bought into it. And, I bought uh, it. Yeah, I got it too, man. And it, it, it did not. I mean, it lived up to everything I wanted it to be, but I yep. couldn't support the entire system. Yep. Like, true. unfortunately, <laughs> I could, I could not either. Um, yeah. And. Kind of a interesting note it sold 9.13 million units in you know its year and a half career which is actually pretty good i mean it means it outsold yeah the saturn. it doesn't sound bad it would have outsold the saturn if it had continued to exist yeah. but it definitely underperformed and 
got canned, which is unfortunate. It was also, I don't no, I don't think it was the first one. I think the uh, would the Nintendo sixty four be the first console that had more than two controller ports on it? Yeah, yeah. The Nintendo mm-hmm. sixty four came out first. It was in ninety eight, I believe. Yeah, because the Saturn had two. And it's actually one of the, the funny things we'll talk about. They actually had a six-player multi-tap for the uh, Sega Saturn. Yeah. <laughs> Which just sounds <laughs> insane, but... The thing that... The, the 64 had a lot more party games than the uh, the Dreamcast, from what I remember. I remember Power Stone and, like, the sports games. Yeah. I love Power Stone. Power Stone was so I cool. love Power Stone, too, man. That's the, th- that's the worst part about the Dreamcast, man. There was a lot of cool stuff on it, but... No one played it because people, no one yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't play it. Sorry, you didn't play Power Stone or Dreamcast in general. I, I played one game for the Dreamcast. Oh man, one game. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, and maybe it's because I'm younger. I know I'm younger than Kyle by a few years, but I was one of those people who just did not hear any advertising or word of mouth for Dreamcast. It just kind of came and went. Um, I remember seeing it at stores, but I was definitely waiting for PlayStation Two. To yeah. launch and that was going to be the one like wait and see like it just didn't seem like a huge step up from the playstation one um so i waited and uh i'm part of the reason it failed yep. so going back like most of these games like i've played many years after the fact so i i think i have a very different opinion on the games than you guys might which we can talk yeah. about later <laughs> i fair. remember Method Man and Red Man playing a Dreamcast on MTV, like typing this fucking thing. Like they were playing Sonic Adventure, running from the killer whale, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever! I have to have this." Because of Method Man and Red Man were playing it, you have to. Yeah, I mean, they are two of the coolest guys ever, outside of maybe Snoop Dogg. If if Wu Tang approves, you know exactly, exactly. It's got the W of approval. You know you're in. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. That, that's like <laughs> the story of life right there. If, if it gets the W of approval. <laughs> you <laughs> got to diversify your systems, though, and I didn't yep. do that. I put all my stock into Dreamcast. Yep. Failed. I think uh, one thing that's maybe, I don't know how big of an impact it was, but I do know early on, like, it was very easy to pirate games on the Dreamcast. Yeah. I had a friend in my podunk little town that, like had that fucking boot disc and was burning games for everybody that had a Dreamcast like almost a couple months after the Dreamcast came out. Like you could get right into just getting free games off the internet for that. Well, you got some boot discs there? Yeah, I see Dan rummaging right now. Yeah. Looking for his boot disc. Well, you got there, it is. there it is. Yeah, see? I mean, it's so easy to do. You, It's so easy to do. And I, I don't know. I'm sure that didn't help. Yeah. The system. Oh, that's what? killed it there's essentially very very little copy protection on the dreamcast which is both good and bad yeah yeah like it's led to some really cool things like you can actually you i know people who used a dreamcast as a private firewall for their houses Mm -hmm. because you could just hook you could hook it up to your internet and just like literally there were Linux just distributions for it, and you could like set them up as a firewall, and it would just firewall all the traffic out, and you wouldn't have to use one on your computer. Wow! Like, I had really nerdy friends, but yeah, I, I part of my weekend trip this past weekend was I went cleaned out some storage up in Virginia, and one of the things I brought back with me was the Dreamcast. 
Nice. There you go. So it is such a portable console too. Yeah. It, here's it, the funny it, part. If I if I can get it to Windows C E. Yeah, look at Windows that. C E certified. <laughs> I haven't even looked at mine. I remember that about Windows C E. That's awesome. What's crazy? I remember my buddy made me like the same buddy that hacked the Dreamcast. He could also like change the files and he made me a copy of Crazy Taxi with like a custom soundtrack. Like I had him put Nirvana and stuff on there because you <laughs> it was easy to do. Like I was like, yeah. well, yeah, I want that, even though well, of course. who doesn't like offspring well, and bad religion too. But the way the way that that one might have worked with the music is that it might actually just have the music on it as like CD tracks. I think so, yeah. yeah. And so that way you can just swap, you know, you just mm-hmm. swap tracks out. Music out. Yeah. You just burn different ones on there or something. But yeah, like that's the one thing about the Dreamcast is that it was like you didn't need a mod chip in it like you would for the PlayStation or the PlayStation 2 because that was a big, big, big business back in the day is like uh-huh. opening up the, uh, especially the PlayStation. And I, to a degree, the PlayStation 2 was so that you could play games from Japan because mm-hmm. they were region coded. So people would people would solder stuff on and would mod out in, a, in like their Xbox and stuff like that so that you could play games from other regions. Yeah. And it was it was a big deal. But the, that was one of the things about the Dreamcast is that unfortunately, it's copy protection was next to nothing. And yeah, I mean, you literally just burn this disc you pop it in, you start it up, and it'll goes okay. Uh, you know, open it up and put your game disc in, yeah. and you just what do you want to play? Yeah, you just put a disc with an ISO in it, and it'll just fire it right up. It's yeah. so bad. It's it's so pretty bad. awesome, actually. I mean, yeah. nowadays, unfortunately, yeah, now, now it's yeah. great. But yeah, like in retrospect, mm-hmm. it's it's nice at this point because I mean, while completely not being legal at all, you know, if if well. you wanted to play a game that you can't find. I mean, the legal way to do it would be like if you own the game and just don't want to damage it anymore and you want to play a copy of it instead. But that's not what most people do. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so let's talk about some of our favorite games. So let's start with the Sega Saturn. Paul, we'll let you go first on this one. What was your favorite Sega Saturn game? Ironically enough, I've only played one game for each console that we're talking about tonight. I hate saying that, but that that is absolutely <laughs> why we brought in Kyle and Ryan because I really have very little experience with these consoles, but the only one I played uh, happened to be pretty okay, Corpse Killer. Don't know if I'm familiar with that one. I don't really know that one very much either, honestly. It's originally a light gun game back in uh, arcades, and it was like um, House of the Dead... It's like a, uh, a rail shooter with a yeah, light gun. Yeah, it was on rail shooter with a light gun. And you could use the controller to, you know, move the move the uh, cursor around, point it, point clicky, shooty, really just mindless fun. Nice. Stupid story. Mindless <laughs> fun. They're, they're all stupid <laughs> That's uh, fair. I don't know. When you guys want to discuss your favorite game for the Sega Saturn? Or you want um, me to go? Yeah. I, had, I had the Saturn, uh, but again, I was... I got it like secondhand from a cousin. It didn't, it didn't come with a lot. Uh, I did have Virtual Fighter, which I did love as a kid, uh, but it was also one of the few games that I owned. I also was lucky enough I owned Knights. Uh, oh, okay. Dreams. So that was uh, that was one of those rare sought after ones. But not, you know, I think the Saturn has the uh, has one of the most sought after games of all time, which is Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a lot of people call it like one of the greatest RPGs ever made. I have never played it, uh, but I know in the early days of eBay, that game would go for like 500 bucks, 600. It was a very, very rare game, but I like the original Panzer Dragoon. I think that, what was it? Was it Time Crisis? I think was also on the Saturn or was that a yeah. PlayStation? <laughs> Yes, um, to both, I believe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if the if Time Crisis was. I know it Virtua was, Cop was. That's what it was. Virtua now, Cop. Now, Virtua Cop is that the side scroller? No, Virtua, Virtua Cop is the the light gun shooter, yep. like the oh, okay. in the arcade where you were, you know, you'd shoot people and duck down behind cover and pop up and shoot people and. Yeah, and you had like the foot stomp pad, and you could mm-hmm. duck behind. Cover. Okay. Yeah, or, yeah, that or, that was a fantastic light gun game. Or in the case of the Sega Saturn, you had a button on the side of the controller that would duck you down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, the Saturn, I think it was just, like, it didn't have a lot of reach in the U.S., I feel. Like, I didn't get a lot from it. Yeah, so, no. It, it, it had a um, ton of games, though. It did, but none that I really, you know, looking back, like, I would have loved to have Dracula X Chronicles, which is the prequel to Symphony of the yep. Night. Yep. Like that, I, you know, I've played that on PSP now, and that game is just fun as hell it's castlevania there were there's a lot of cool stuff on the saturn i don't think we got so much of it or at least i wasn't exposed to as much of it yeah i i definitely was not i we only had maybe a dozen games my favorite game was this amazing crazy mashup game that was called fighters megamix and don't know that one at all (laughs) yeah so it is this very very weird game that takes all of the fighters from Virtua Fighter 2, and then all of the fighters from this other really awesome arcade game called Fighting Vipers, and smashes the two games together. So you can either... There's a whole bunch of different modes, but basically, like, you could play either using the Virtua Fighter physics or using the Fighting Vipers physics, which is slightly more over the top, and... So it was Marvelous Capcom before Marvelous Capcom? basically but marvel yes. versus capcom existed for the sega saturn mm-hmm. fair enough like i remember fighting vipers i'm looking it up fighting uh, vipers I'm, is one of my favorite arcade or, fighting games that Fighters no Mega one has ever played it had the uh, <laughs> i remember this now because it, you could get the cars from daytona usa as characters to fight yes. as which is back up back up like what it is so, ridiculous yeah, and one of the characters from Time Crisis is in, or not Time Crisis, uh, Virtual Cop, Jill, I think, like the female cop from Virtual Cop, is also a character in Fighter Megamix. It's and got then, just yeah. weird, weird characters. But yeah, one of them is the race car from Daytona USA, the NASCAR stock mm-hmm. car racing game on the Sega Saturn, which I think was a launch title. I think everybody got Daytona USA. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. So you <laughs> fought as a car? Yeah, standing back, like, you're reared back like you're popping a wheelie. And, uh, yeah, you used your tires as your hands and feet. It's uh, it's a pretty ridiculous sight, to be honest. But I do that remember that now. dumb on numerous levels. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen some of the characters in Tekken? <laughs> have, yeah. have you seen some of the characters in Tekken? Oh, oh no, no, that's not in question. We know the characters in Tekken are dumb. That's not a problem here. Why are you fighting as a fucking car? <laughs> because you can. Why would you not want to fight as a car? I mean, yeah, all you got to do is fall on somebody and crush him. That's that's better than Zangief can do. Yeah. It's like a prototype transformer, except it just it's just a car. Yeah. 
but one of my it favorite is actually kind of lame when you think about it <laughs> it's just weird like do you all remember turbo teen no uh-uh. Uh-uh. Where, where the kid turns into a car no <laughs> it lasted for a single season but that's just exactly what it reminds me of was that a kid's cartoon it was in the like the 80s because cocaine <laughs> literally lasted a single season because the kid turned into a car and it was really kind of horrifying but yeah that's what it reminds me of hmm. so I, I know ryan has it i know paul has it uh i'm assuming you haven't either dan but have you ever played panzer dragoon saga no, I have not. I've I, only played one Panzer Dragoon game. It's probably the first one. one it is. Yeah. Yeah. I I've never met anybody who play played Sega. I never played Orda for the, what was that, 360? No, it's the first Xbox. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really solid. It's one of the better Xbox games. I'll be damned. That's no, fair. I've never played that one. Well, you should. But really also, fun. Panzer Dragoon's great, too. <laughs> Say, Panzer Dragoon was definitely not a RPG. It was, no, no. It's basically Star Fox, but you're riding on a dragon. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> that is pretty cool. I mean, you can't argue with that. That's that's basically what the gameplay is like. If you if you haven't seen it, I mean, you fly around on a dragon and you're basically playing kind of Star Fox. It's on rails too. I mean, you can't really control mm-hmm. the dragon. But so is Star Fox. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. And that yeah. still worked it, out really well. So it. Mm-hmm. It's a space harrier game. It it follows. Yes, it yeah, that's a really good example. Both of those games are like that. That they follow in the mold of space harrier. I just I don't know why I just put that connection together. It just that's. I think it helps them to hold up. Like you still go back and they're still really good. It's it's yeah. they still control like res. Like they're fantastic control schemes and mm-hmm. uh, the graphics. I don't know. They don't they don't hurt. They don't hurt the gameplay like a lot of. Uh, other technologically pushing games did. I want to play Res and PlayStation VR on Mushrooms. I just want to put that out there. That's a goal I have before the end of 2017. <laughs> I think that's happen. an easily attainable goal. You'll just have so. to spend some money. I got to get a PlayStation VR, but anyways. And some, and some Mushrooms. <laughs> I don't know how to react to any of this. <laughs> so I'm just going to say we're going to include Turbo Team in the show notes. I would. <laughs> All right, a, a quick note back on Turbo Teen. I feel like uh, Robot Chicken did us like a bit about Turbo Teen. All I know I, is that he was driving in his car. He ends up somehow in a lab that's doing an experiment, and he ends up fusing with his car. That's fucking it because cocaine in the eighties. That's yes. because yeah. cocaine. No. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, man. Real American <laughs> hero. Yeah, cocaine is a real American hero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. That's yeah. That's true too. I don't know. Again, I don't have much more to say about the Saturn. Unfortunately, yeah. I was not as exposed to it. Did Did you have a favorite game on the Saturn, Ryan, or or you uh you, you missed that generation? Uh, completely missed the Sega Saturn. Um, there are probably arcade games I played that were also on the Saturn, but I don't yeah. even think I touched a Saturn controller. I don't even know what it it's, looks like. I think. <laughs> It's almost exactly like a Genesis controller with yeah, the six-button controller button layout. Okay. It's the, it's the six-button Genesis controller. That's it. And it also has shoulder buttons. Yep. So it has eight buttons, if that makes any sense to anyone. And it feels very flimsy. I remember that about the Saturn controller. Yeah. It was very light, kind of mm-hmm. cheap. Yes. Yeah. 
much like the original uh, PlayStation 3 controller before they could put vibrators back into it. They just felt light and garbagey. Garbage. Yeah, that's fair. But that's fair. That's a really fair assessment. In fact, the PlayStation 4 controller feels kind of like that to me. It feels very light. Ooh. Like I could break it. Like I could just twist and it would break. Yeah. I, I don't like the feeling of it. I mean, I ooh, I think it's the best controller uh, Sony's made. I like it, but I get what Dan's saying and the fact that it feels almost like you can break it on your whim. I'm Paul, by the way. Paul, Paul, I'm sorry. I've <laughs> I've had a couple of whiskeys and a couple of beers sitting here doing this. My my apologies. Oh, damn. Is All that right. what we were supposed to do, huh? That's what well, I. You guys do. can, but I'm sick, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I uh, I thought the uh, PlayStation Three, the DualShock Three, felt just as flimsy. Yeah. And that's fair. I mean, I'm not saying you have to agree with me. I'm just saying this is how it feels to me. Like the, I'm I'm coming also from a Xbox One. Pro controller, which is very oh. heavy, very dense. Like you, you know, you're you're holding something that's going to not break in your hands. Like the one hundred and fifty dollar model. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Here's my, okay. Before we move on to Dreamcast, I have contemplating getting that. Is it worth it? You feel? I feel like it's worth it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you, is it worth it because worth it. you use it for the PC, or is it worth it for just console play? Yes. To answer yeah. both your questions, yeah, both I, I use wow. both, I use it for PC because I play Dark Souls on my PC. I have Dark Souls yeah. one through three on my PC. I play it on there with the the Pro controller, and it's super useful because one of the paddles is the run button, and that's mm. aces. And also, it really works for the Xbox One games as well. Okay, cool. I know was there was there a learning curve to it? I know. I'm sorry, I don't want to tangent, but like I I might spend 150 dollars on it too. Is too, there I a learning curve to it? A slight one, yeah. yeah. But, you, but the, the cool thing is it's very customizable. You can take off the paddles you don't want to use. Damn. All right. Good to know. <laughs> I'll be happy to go into a dissertation on this off the show, but okay. let's continue. Okay. Yes, please, please. <laughs> I don't know. How do we want to do this? Do we want to talk about the uh, best-selling games and the the other games for this for the Saturn now and then come back would, to Dreamcast? Or? Yeah, I would let's like wrap to, it up. I would, I would like to know what the best-selling Saturn games were because, again, I, I'm curious. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of the interesting thing is, is like Saturn, I think, is really underrated because it has a ton of fighting games for it. Like you wouldn't expect there to be the wide variety of weird fighting games for it. Like, I mean, yeah, it had the Virtual Fighter series because that was was Sega's baby at the time. Yep. It was all the Virtual Fighter games. So it had for some one, one and two fucking strange reason. But SNK and Capcom loaded it down yeah. with games, too. Like King of Fighters was on it. Samurai mm -hmm. Showdown games were on it. Super Street Fighter Alpha was on it. Marvel Super Heroes, Marvel versus Capcom. Like both of those companies, like threw all of their games at the Sega Saturn, but they also threw all of their games at everyone, or at least SNK did. Anyone who mm. would take it, they threw their games on. Like most of the Mortal Kombat's came out for it as well. Yeah. I think um, Saturn was a preferred fighting game console for a while. I know yeah. it was like the preferred Alpha 3 or uh, Street Fighter Alpha. Yeah. Game. Which makes sense. I mean, it had like the best processor at the time when it came out. Yeah. Um, so it seems like the fight pad would be very good for fighting games too, much more than like the PlayStation One or others yeah. from that time period. Yeah, yeah, because you had that that really nice D pad that uh, Sega had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to answer your question, so Sega Saturn had about six hundred games, somewhere in the neighborhood of six hundred games. The top selling game was Virtua Fighter Two, which sold two point five million units. So again. Tiny sales by that. Yeah. Tiny sales numbers, but again, they didn't even break 10 million console sales. So that's 
more than 25% of the market. So that's yeah. actually pretty good in the grand scheme of things. Not terrible, not great, but eh, what are you going to do? Then the second best-selling game was Sega Rally Championship, which is a weird racing game. Yeah, and, it's a very arcadey racing game. Yeah, it's, it's an arcade port, and it sold uh, 1.2 million units. And then Virtual Cop and Daytona USA both sold m- over a million units, but there's not exact figures yeah. for it. There's like exact figures for their sales in Japan, but there's not exact figures for their U.S. sales. They just kind of estimate that they yeah. are somewhere over 500,000 units in the U.S., with how it underperformed, would you really keep that kind of information? Well, I, I think part of that is because both those at, at some point were like giveaway, like launch games. Like yeah. you bought a Saturn, you got Daytona. And I don't know if they're really tracking those, yeah. but I think they still count them as sales. Oh, they, they definitely do because that's why, you know, the original Super Mario Brothers has like 55 million units. Yeah. Because and I still say it's bullshit. It doesn't count. <laughs> it came with every NES ever. I yeah. will die on this hill. <laughs> this, All right. this is your hamburger hill. Yes. Nice. All right. So let's talk Dreamcast for a bit. All right. I'm into this. I'm pumped right. about this, actually. So, you have Kyle's full attention. Nice. So, Paul, do you, do you want to go ahead and get yours out of the way? <laughs> yeah, we might as well, because it's the only fucking game I played for the goddamn console. Virtua Fighter. Just, it was so cheap and silly and over-the-top physics because you jumped like you were on the freaking moon. The the characters were just like, yeah! And it was just so ridiculous how over-the-top and silly the game was. But it was also super fun. Like, nowadays, if you went back and played it, you probably would be extremely disappointed. But at the same time, if you have those rose-colored nostalgia glasses on, you probably still have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the reasons why I really liked Fighters Megamix, because I really liked using the f- awesome people from Fighting Vipers to beat the shit out of the really annoying people from Virtual Fighter 2. <laughs> like, that's, that's why I love that game so much. The Virtual um, Fighter lets you be a ninja named Cage with a K. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, not Johnny Cage with a C. No. I think... I think most fighting games let you be a ninja of I'm some sure. sort. I don't think there's one that doesn't have a ninja probably named cage as well <laughs> they're, they're all named cage just that, that's all ninjas are named cage yeah that's... <laughs> i think i think the only character i used in virtual fighter was lao chan see the like, old dude uh no but he was like the weird asian dude with a mustache okay i, I think he had I remember a... no characters from this game Mm-mm. nope me neither I got really into virtual fighter 5 back in the day there were five of them there's yeah. like seven or eight now. Why? But it's actually, here's the weird thing. It has actually really evolved into a pretty solid and very in-depth fighting game. Yeah. Amazingly. The, like The last two were both mobile games, but Virtual Fighter 5 came out in the arcade ew. in 2006. Yeah, it's sitting at an 8.8 too. Uh, I remember really liking 5. It, it's weird, man. It, it it has a lot of like variables that go into the fights. It can be very. Was, was five for the three sixty PS three generation? Yes, I think I played that one too, and I enjoyed it. They had like a really in depth arcade career mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Virtual yeah. Fighter mm-hmm. Five Final Showdown came out for the PlayStation Three in two thousand twelve. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything about this sounds weird and alien to me. <laughs> Understandable, but uh, I it is very good. I I know it sounds weird. Holds up well. You should maybe give that another sh- another shot. 
I don't think I can pass hard enough. It was the, <laughs> and the and the reason it's so weird is that it is the first 3D fighting game. Like yeah, it just yeah. <laughs> That's a very good impression. I like that. Yeah. It's also kind of funny because I'm pretty sure that Tekken was created because of a disagreement between Sega and someone else about a fighting game, and like they went off and made Tekken. Dude, so I, somebody gonna... else also abandoned Sega to do their own thing and do way better. I'm gonna Man, say I'm it all the time. Fight is a powerful motivator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it had something to do with the hard, the the arcade hardware, like working with the the Sega platform. Like, cause Sega made a really crazy proprietary hardware for their arcade games, and the company, like, I don't, I think Namco basically like took their ball and went somewhere else and made Tekken. And yeah. created their own damn hardware and did it themselves. Well, it I mean, seems to have you? turned out better for them, for sure. Yeah. Truly. But there's a crazy story there. I'll see if I can uh, find something more in depth. Anyway. Wow. Apparently, they were working on an RPG for Virtual Fighter at some point in time, but they dropped it. Why? Because I'd be into that. There's a good reason for this, because we're going to talk about this game in a minute. I can guarantee it. Oh, okay. okay. Virtual Fighter RPG became Shenmue. Oh. Aha! Okay, that's fair. <laughs> huh. Okay. Which I've never played Shenmue, but I've always wanted to, but I wow. never... Well, I don't know. It's, it's just so, it's such a weird situation because I've always wanted to play the game, but I never had a, had a chance. I've always seen that the game had good reviews. People were raving about it. And then, of course, Shenmue... Uh, was it three or four that's coming out fairly? Three. Three. Which, yeah. Kickstarter Records. Yep. Yeah. Um, the amazing thing for you is I just read today that you're going to get your chance because yes. rumors are a Shinmu 1 and 2 HD re-release are coming on the heels or I think before Shinmu 3 is going to reach us to try to that is, hype even higher. So yeah, That is the rumor mill right now that, yeah. that Shinmu is going to get an HD re-release for other consoles other than Dreamcast. That would be yeah. lovely. I would play that. I would play it again. I just don't want to drive a forklift. The forklift is such a it's such a small part of the game, I feel. <laughs> but it like it comes out of nowhere, which I think is the jarring part, especially for people at that time. Like it is so infamous though, because you're yeah, just like, it, Why am I driving a fucking forklift? It really is. Because it comes like this entire time you have been kicking ass all through China yes. and then all of a sudden you have to get a day job. And it's it, you're what? I, I should be fighting people here. I want to kick ass. That's all I've been doing. What happened to the infinite source of income that action heroes always have? Exactly. But no, you got to find the mirror that your dead father commanded you to, to find. That Shinmu. is just silly, and you know it. Oh, I, I do know yeah. it. Yeah. You're, you're explaining this game, and it just does not sound interesting to me. I it will sounds play like it. some more Final Fantasy bullshit. Hey, hey, hey. A lot of people love Shinmu. Let's not do. do that. I know. I know. Well, I, I can be the outlier. They can hate me. And then worship you guys for singing its praises, but uh, I will say though I don't like Shinmu Two. It's one that's never appealed. I I, I've played them both, and Shinmu Two is not as good as Shinmu. I remember. I will still. Did play you it. play it for the Dreamcast or the Xbox version? The Xbox version. I don't think we ever got our yeah. Dreamcast version here in America. I don't know. You could have imported it. Yeah, but I don't read Japanese or Chinese, and I don't think they did a English release. I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, Somebody can feel free to correct me, but this is all off my memory. 
I can't I can't tap around for information anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. please don't. You don't want to launch M79 grenades anymore? So, so Paul, you played Virtual Fighter on both the Saturn and the Dreamcast? No, I only played Virtual Fighter on the Dreamcast. Okay. But I, I, the only thing, the only reason I mentioned it for um, the Saturn was that it was released on both consoles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, well, go ahead. Sorry, Dan. Shenmue 2 came out in Japan and Europe for the Dreamcast. Oh, okay. okay. But not the US. Okay. Dick bags. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I. Fucking timeline is correct. It came out in November of 2001, which is way after the console got killed off in uh, March of 2001. I stand so, my, by my dick bag comment. So it just may not have ever been released. <laughs> it's it's funny that you played Virtual Fighter and then you missed quite possibly the greatest fighting game on the Dreamcast, which I would argue is Soul Calibur. Which, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. That game that's... blew up on the Dreamcast. <laughs> I don't. I think everybody I knew that had one had Soul Calibur because that game was just a blast to play. So yep. I'm gonna caveat this in that I only get to play it one time, and that was because my buddy Scott had it, and we're kind of sort of buddies. We're peripheral friends, friend of a friend type thing. We didn't really hang out too often. I played it once, and that was it. Mm, okay. So, I yeah, I, I think I have a, a valid, I don't want to say excuse, but I think I have a valid explanation of why I didn't play it. Fair enough, yeah. I, I totally get it. So, have you uh, talked about your favorite game yet, Kyle? Or have we just been kind of bouncing around between we've games? We've kind of been bouncing been around. Uh, I mean, if I'm going to do favorite game, yeah. uh, it's, it's a very close tie, I would say, between uh, Skies of Arcadia, which is an RPG uh, yes. made by Sega. I think it was just Sega. Uh, I have it here. I actually pulled out all my Dreamcast games for this episode. <laughs> Holy uh, shit, nice. That's dedication. So it's, it's a tie between that and uh, Fantasy Star Online, which was a revolutionary yes. game. Yes. Uh, and one game that I dumped massive amounts of hours into on the original Dreamcast <laughs> because via its network connectivity, I could plug in my phone line and play online with other people. It was the first console MMO, I feel. I, yes. I don't know if that's fully correct, but it's it, the first one I remember. So, yeah, See, I hesitate to call it an MMO because... Yeah, uh, it, it's not it was, massive. It's four-player. Yeah. But, <laughs> but you could play it online with friends, and that was Ooh. a big deal. It was huge. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the keyboard... So you could yep. communicate to everybody the Dreamcast keyboard, which I also used for typing of the dead, which yep. was the very That's one of my favorite. <laughs> of House of the Dead 2. I have, uh, of course, Sonic Adventure. I have Grandia 2. There's this weird game called Omicron, or Omicron the Nomad Soul, which actually stars David, David Bowie, Bowie, which is just super fucking weird. It's made by Eidos and Quantic Dream, who are famous for now uh, oh, Heavy Rain. Yep. Uh, they're, they're upcoming with Detroit. It's David Cage. Uh, so he worked with David Bowie back in the day on this weird, weird Dreamcast game where you die and then possess other people to solve like the mystery of your death. Uh, it's, it's a very, very unique game. And I think a lot of that is the Dreamcast itself. It's, it's very oddball and uh, very unique. And I was always, I'm still sad to see it go the way that it did. Um, cause it, 
I had a lot of fun with this system, man. Uh, I, I have a copy of C-Man, which is, again, one of the weirdest games you'll ever fucking you play. It, that, is, yeah. it is called C-Man. Hey, C-Man was fun. Yeah, but it's no. weird as fuck, too, what? man. You raise fish with Japanese men faces, like, and then they can turn into frogs, and, man. What? You have an evolutionary habitat at your fingertips. Why do you not enjoy this? <laughs> I'm not saying I don't. I'm just saying it's weird and odd. I'm and talking weird. to Ryan. I'm saying, oh. yeah, I'm saying I don't. It's uh, it's weird for the sake of weird, and it's just, I, it's like, it's a fish tank simulator. It like, there's really you. not a lot of gameplay. I don't know. That's uh, I I didn't enjoy it either. Okay, it's, it's I was actually, like, am, am I gonna hate for this? No, no, because it's actually, if I had to think of a Dreamcast game that was the in the games I wanted to be good but just failed horribly, this is the game that's on that list for me. Like, I wanted it to be good. It was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It's a virtual pet thing. It's it's like mm -hmm. it's a Tamagotchi on crack that I can talk to, and it was just like, this is terrible. Why am I playing this game? Yeah. I can get that. I enjoyed it, but again, like, like I could see where it'd be fun. Yeah. But I did not have fun with it, so it I don't know. It didn't That's do it fair. for me. I watched the He was just creepy. Just so creepy. I wa I watched the Angry Video Game Nerd episode on uh Seaman and that changed my mind completely on the idea of it because that just was balls out hilarious. Yeah. Well, the the funny part about the game is that the narrator is Leonard Nimoy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like that's a funny, like weird little trivia tidbit. But like other than that, the game. Avid Seaman enthusiast, Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> Loves the Seaman. Let's the thing, uh, uh, again. Let's growing up, let's like, the Jed. I like uh, I like the Dreamcast. It had a lot of cool RPGs on it. Against yes. guys of Arcadia, Grandia Two. Uh, it had this one called, I think it was called Evolution, uh, where it was actually kind of a roguelike, where you had uh, random dungeon elements. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a really cool one. Shinmu, I would classify as an RPG, too. Yeah. It had mm -hmm. PSO 1 and 2. Um, yeah, PSO was big... 2 didn't come out in the U.S., though. Did it? I thought we had PSO 2, because, yeah, it did, because you had to buy a Hunter's Pass for that one, I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I thought PSO 2 didn't come out until the GameCube in the U.S. What am I thinking of? You're, you're thinking of... So, no, so PS, uh, PSO 2 never came out in the U.S. I think that was Japan only. And you're thinking about like the weird... Was it the 360 Fantasy Star Online? I'm trying to think of what it's called. Like it's it's It was a weird like half version or something okay, like that. Okay, yeah, okay. I don't know what it's called, but now that's making more sense, yeah. But still, I loved Fantasy Star. Was, me and me and a buddy wasted a lot of time on that game. It was called Episode Two. That's right. Okay. So it's Episode One and Two, but then the actual Fantasy Star Online Two did not come out. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's just a massive weird thing. Like the Fantasy Star Online, unfortunately, is really weird. I really loved the game. Like it, it is oh. it is one of my two favorite games for the system. What would your other one be? My other one is Power Stone. Very okay, good choice too. That's a fun it's, game. It's mm -hmm. probably other than Smash Brothers is the most unique and fun fighting game I've ever played. They're, I really like that World War II aesthetic mm -hmm. of it, yeah. like that. But, but there, there literally is no other fighting game that plays like Power Stone. Uh, Power Stone has a World War II aesthetic. I what? think so, right? Because uh, it's got. 
like the old school. I thought like, it was like there's the fire pirate dude. Yeah, I mean it's cartoony, but it's like got that. It's almost like a 1950s. Like what's that? Uh, Tintin. I feel it's almost oh. like that. It's very like, steampunk. Vague. Yeah, steampunk. Yeah. I guess would be a way to put it too. I just never picked up on that vibe. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's. I just like the fact that like you can win a fight by literally just running around and throwing furniture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or because it's kind my... of it's kind of this weird isometric view, and you can pick up anything in the thing. So like pots and chairs and tables, and you can throw them at people. And like yeah, I I there are definitely matches I won where all I did was run around rolling over tables and throwing stuff at people. It's fantastic. It also had uh, what was. Called Fighting Force, I think. That came out on PlayStation. That was also on PlayStation sure. One. Yeah, it had Fighting Force Two. I think it, it definitely had the sequel. Yeah, which was originally a either Streets of Rage or There's, Final Fight sequel. It, it was originally de- designed like Fighting Force was originally designed to be Streets of Rage Four and yeah. was published exclusively on the Sega Saturn. Okay. And okay. then, oh, and then got ported to, uh, and then something crazy happened, and it did. Because I know I played it on PlayStation One. Yeah, that's where I played it. Yeah, well, that's what happened. Is like it was going to be Streets of Rage Four, and was going to be published on the Saturn, but the, oh, okay. the company Core Design did not want to put it on just the Sega Saturn, and so Sega was like, "Well, fine, then it can't be a Streets of Rage game because we own Streets of Rage." Well, damn. Oh. Okay. Were th- All right, so then in that case, were there any Streets of Rage games after that that had come out? I don't know. I don't think so, honestly. I think there's only three. Yeah, there's only three Streets of Rage games. Hmm. So that was going to be the fourth, and then it did not happen because they had a... Uh... Yeah, Fighting Force 2 was released for the Dreamcast. So, what was the game? I'm sorry, Dan, that you wished would have been better on the Dreamcast. Seaman. Oh, Seaman. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, you guys oh, didn't talk gosh. about uh, Jet Grind Radio or no. uh, really, uh, oh, there was another one I had in my head that I just. There's also Crazy Taxi. Which crazy, I, crazy, I well, yeah, Crazy earlier. Taxi. Mm-hmm. That was mentioned. Yeah. But, like, there are some really cool games for the Dreamcast. Like, there's some yeah. really. One of the weirdest rhythm games ever made in the history of consoles came Crazy out for Channel this. Five. Well, that one Samba, too. Samba, oh, yeah. Samba de Amigo. Samba de Amigo, That's the weirdest okay. rhythm yeah. game ever made. Is that the one with the maraca? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that now. Custom mar- custom maraca controllers that you yeah. shook in mm-hmm. rhythm to the game as you danced. <laughs> it had uh, Space Channel Five, and it had this really weird like space mat mouse and cat game. Oh, Choo Choo Rocket. Uh, yeah, Choo Choo Rocket. That was a really sweet game. I remember that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Falls in the movie. I'm sorry, Paul. I, I got nothing. <laughs> I was, man, I love the fucking Dreamcast, dude. I could talk forever. There's so many weird, yeah. cool games. Oh. Uh, so, one of the cool things about the Dreamcast is that it gave birth to the 2K Sports series. Mm hmm. Which for a really long time was like it's basically been the only real competitor to EA Sports until they EA Sports the... is a bunch of dicks and are getting exclusive rights to yep. sports games. Like NBA two K is 
I think it's still around and it's still yep. doing awesome. Like, oh, it's still doing yeah. fantastic. It, it <laughs> blows everything that EA comes at, comes out with out of the water. Yeah, like the other thing we don't get anymore is the NFL 2K series, which yes. I have NFL 2K and 2K1 still to this day. And that's because uh, EA got exclusive rights for the NFL and the NFL Players Association, so no yep. one else can make a game using character likenesses or team likenesses. So we can we can save that venting for another day. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I want to. And then <laughs> this is an interesting one because it was the first time they made a Resident Evil game for a console other than Sony. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Thank you for... Code Veronica. Not... Yes. Code, Code Veronica came out for the Dreamcast and pissed a lot of people off because they wanted to play uh, the new Resident Evil game. Yeah. But that meant that they had to either find a friend who owned a Dreamcast and borrow it or buy a Dreamcast to play it. That whole, eventually... that whole story eventually... from Capcom is very interesting. Yeah. about the development of that game and then Resident Evil Nemesis, if yeah. you guys know about that and are going to no, touch I on actually, that. I actually don't know about that at all, so I would love for you to expound upon it. Yeah, Far I'll away. be real quick. I don't I don't like taking the mic for too long, so, so I'll be quick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, Capcom had in development co- what it is Code Veronica, and that was going to be number three. That was Resident Evil number three to follow up the second one. But because it was on Dreamcast, um, Sony had the contract, and they were like, no, we're due the sequel, so you have to change that. And they had this one-off Resident Evil Nemesis game, and they're like, that's it. Now that's going to be number three. And you cannot claim that you're a part of the canon. You are this the standoff Co-Veronica for Dreamcast. So they kind of screwed Sega a little bit over, too. Ain't that the shit? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh- I will say that Code Veronica is the only Resident Evil outside of 6 and 7 that I have never beaten. Not for lack of trying, though, unlike 6 and 7. Code <laughs> Veronica is a hard-ass game, man. It is. It is. It's very fucking hard. Yeah, well, and they re-released the game later as Code, Code Veronica, Veronica X. X. Mm-hmm. And, and that came mm-hmm. out for, like, the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, the Xbox 360, and the PlayStation 3. So you can definitely play it now. It's not false scarcity anymore for just now for the dreamcast it's one that i've wanted to revisit again because it's the one i haven't beaten yeah uh, i've never gotten off i've never played as chris i've never gotten off the antarctic bases player so is it is it giving you that uh whatchamacallit the uh dark souls vibe it's like god damn it i have to go back and beat this game like kind of till i can do this like and it's just, I've done it to all the others. Like, what the fuck am I? What is going on with Ver- Code Veronica? Like, and I tell you, it's it's the tyrant fight in the plane. I don't always just burn through items, and I can't beat that asshole once I get on the fucking plane trying to escape, and I'm stuck. It's happened to me like three times trying to replay it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. All right. I don't know. Let's see what other kind of. Think of any other interesting games? Well, the first 3D Sonic game, Sonic Adventure, I think we kind of touched on that. Like, that that came out for the Dreamcast. If I was going to pick my game that I wish was better, it would be Sonic Adventure as a whole. And that would include <laughs> Sonic Adventure 2 as well. Nice. Because uh, they do not... They haven't aged well, if you try to go back and play them. Like, yeah, they're, not they're very, very rough. Well, and, and, and that's the hard part about early 3D games, is... Yes. The, they don't 3d games don't age well at all no no like no, they don't if you go back and look at the first tomb raider game like it's <laughs> yeah. it is 
comical. Yeah. What people thought was like, oh my god, this looks amazing. This, and revolutionary. This, this chick is so sexy. Yeah. And then you look at it now and go, really? Yeah. Like, how? How did how did people think that ever? <laughs> yeah, and they didn't even really change much in the four iterations on the first PlayStation. Mm-mm. They just they had it new outfits. That's about it. Yeah, pretty much. Well, what what do you guys think about Mario sixty four though? I I would say that's a one three uh, D early three D game that still I think holds up pretty well. Nope. You disagree? I oh, you disagree? I think it does hold up pretty well, like control wise and like. I think the controls hold up really well. Yeah. The graphics still kind of look ass. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. That's 64 is just low textured rubbish yeah. through and through. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think it's easier to control that. Like, I feel like when you're playing Sonic, you're you're fighting Sonic. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. like when you're trying to do homing attacks or make him run right or. Yeah. You, you fucking hit a wall and stop halfway through a loop to loop and then you're falling through environments and uh. um, we also yeah. we kind of touched in passing on uh jet set radio the I think there was jet grind radio i think is what they were called in the US. yeah um, yeah mm-hmm. those are fantastic games they're really colorful it's basically one of the really really first cell shaded games that caught on for being mm-hmm. cell shaded um they graphically hold up really awesome. And oh yeah, Jet Set Radio is on Steam. It you, is if you want to play mm-hmm. it. Like it's I actually own it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it it actually has very very positive reviews on Steam, which is kind of amazing for a retro game. A lot of um, people like. It. I mean, it, it's it's one of those mm-hmm. rare games that is held in high regard by almost everybody. Um, yeah. Yep. It just it was super super over the top and just this weird you you, you literally skate around a city on rollerblades and spray Tag paint stuff. stuff. Yeah, you got to do your tagging. Mm-hmm. It's it was also just, meant... it was so simple. It was good. Yep. That's why D two on the Dreamcast. Yeah, I don't know if you guys were fans of the D series, but D uh-huh. on the PlayStation was one of those original survival horror games. Uh, they, with the, I was like, is that related to D four? Like that yes, weird. Yes, yeah, it is amazingly dark, because that's dark, the thing they, dark dreams don't die or something like yeah, that. They is that continued weirder, <laughs> starting with D two. I think D two. If I, I need to read, I think it takes place on a space station with an invisible alien hunting you, or maybe that's D three. I think that's D three. I know what you're okay. talking about. Yeah, the, the only yeah. D two I know is the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> yeah. v-wing attack d2 apparently involves exploring the canadian wilderness yeah so it must be d3 then d3 Which has is... the invisible one where you have to use the 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 sound of the monster walking around in order to coordinate everything uh, oh man another uh, uh apparently again. it's not related to the d- dark dreams don't d4. die yeah it's not not related to that series uh, really I yeah so so it's the third game. D two is the third game in the series for D. <laughs> so there's there's a game called D. There's a game called Enemy Zero, and then there's D two. Okay. Is the Enemy Ducks. Enemy Zero must be the uh, the Invisible Monster one? I think so. Uh, I also remember now uh, there was this really sweet uh, Berserk game on the Dreamcast that I also owned called Sort of the Berserk Gatsu's Rage. Like Berserk was... the anime? Yes, exactly. Uh, it was one of those rare ones that I happened to get a copy of. Uh, it's it's 
different from this berserk game that just came out and that it's more of like an action rpg where you're like in different scenarios through the manga but then it also has the incredibly violent hack and slash that you would expect from a berserk game as well <laughs> i was gonna say i expect that to be ridiculously violent Yes, and it was. And it, it was also just really weird. I, I think it was like an entire story written just for the game, I almost want to say. I can believe um, that. But I remember, I remember having that and not even knowing what Berserk was, but just seeing it in EGM and then talking about it being violent. And I was like, well, I, I want to play that. <laughs> nice. To wrap up games discussions real quick. So bestsellers on the Dreamcast. We have Sonic Adventure at two and a half million. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, unfortunate for uh, yeah. Kyle over there. Soul Calibur sold 1.3 million. Totally see that. Crazy Taxi sold 1.2 million, as did Shenmue. And then Resident Evil Code Veronica sold 1.14. Those are the top five. Yeah, those are all the top big heavy hitters. I would, I would agree with that. Which is a shame because I wish PSO had sold better than that. Maybe they would have brought the second one over. <laughs> or the fourth one. You know, we didn't get that one either. It's still in like limbo yeah bastards i know all right so do you want to talk some uh system gimmicks we kind of have to oh yeah this is our what was thing. the the fun part you or what no what was it called the vmu yes so i guess we're going to dreamcast first then. Yeah. well so to this we should basically just go to dreamcast because basically oh. there aren't a lot of system gimmicks for the sega saturn because it never really. got any. i don't really remember any no, there's there's a shit ton of controllers and game pads and joysticks. Nothing is that crazy. There's one called the Mission Stick that looks a lot like a Hotas, except it has like buttons on one side and a controller on the other, and it's just like a flat panel with a bunch of buttons on it. Super it, weird. Yeah. There's, you know, your steering wheels, there's a, a light gun that was used for the House of the Dead and Virtual Cop games. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a weird thing called netlink which had a keyboard and a modem and a mouse that you would plug into the the back of the saturn had like this weird little cartridgey slot and you plug the modem in you could surf the internet on your sega saturn for whatever reason we guess yeah but i mean (laughs) like there's literally like I'll, i'll put a link to all the weird accessories for the saturn but nothing really stands out as like interesting it's just a bunch of weird controllers and stuff yeah Um, that's it but yeah so for the dreamcast yeah i i agree kyle that the the first thing you need to talk about is the vmu which is the save card the special save card for the dreamcast that was called the visual memory unit yep if you've never seen one of these it's a weird thing when it's so the save card slots in the dreamcast are in your controller and there's two of them um and i did they make rumble packs for the other one is that where those came from um so yeah it's basically a jump pack yeah well the vmu is weirder because it's it's got a little lcd screen on it and when you slot it into the controller you can see the lcd screen while it's slotted in and they used it like how a lot of people now use a second screen. Like you could look down and get like little inventory information or, you know, your ammo count or just little cheesy maps. Like it, it depended on the game and how it got used. Um, but the more interesting thing the VMU did is when you pulled it out, it actually had a D-pad and some buttons on it and you could play little mini games on your VMU while you were away from your console. 
It was really cool. I mean, especially to young me. Yeah. I remember the Sonic yeah. one, you could raise your, your chow on it, which were these weird little pet things that you got. And then again, you turn around and plug it back in and you get special unique items in the game. It was this really cool thing to make a non-portable game somewhat portable. As a kid, I remember playing it at my dad's a lot because I didn't have anything else to do as when I'd go visit him. Just weird, cool things you can do. A lot of cool VMU stuff was there. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the cool things is the the little con- ports at the top that would plug into the controller. You could plug two VMUs together, and you could tra- yeah, yeah. you could transfer files back and forth. But the other thing is is you could actually play multiplayer games with them. So they had like little two player games you could play between the little VMUs, which sounds really really weird. But it was like pong and shit, though, right? I mean, not they're they're very simple games, but yeah, it's they're it's just weird. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, I think it's, well, I think there was some that you could do similar to like uh, like Digimon fighting. Mm-hmm. I think there's one that did that with something. Um, but yeah, the VMU was just it was again like we've said many times about the Dreamcast. It was weird. It wasn't necessary, but. Again, they, they kind of forced it on you, almost like a Wii U motion controller now. Fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't proprietary. You didn't have to do it. Yeah. I remember that too. Like they they, they made it mandatory, even though it wasn't mandatory. Put it that yeah. way. It's it's like having a a PlayStation but no memory card. Yeah. Well well they had save cards that did not that were usually cheaper that did not have the little LCD screen and stuff built into them. Mm-hmm. Like you could buy a regular save card and just pop it in. But right. the VMU is, was the interesting gimmick that set the Dreamcast apart. And Sony straight up says that they basically ripped off Tamagotchi. Like that was their inspiration for it, which, which is kind of cool. Say yeah, that's what I meant. I don't know who I said. Did I say Sony? You did. Yes. That's okay. Mm-hmm. There was also a keyboard for it, which uh, yeah. really was... Actually made by Sega. Like it was a first party keyboard and it was actually really good. I think it's a really good keyboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I owned it. Typing of the Dead. Typing so of the dead. PSO, I remember having to uh PSO had a uh, profanity filter. <laughs> uh, Not a surprise. Like, I what I remember the best about it is that you couldn't type the word shoes because it had the word hose in it. So if you typed shoes, like I got a new pair of shoes, it would edit out shoes because for some reason it, w- it wouldn't let you put hose as in like women of ill repute. Yes. I don't think you have to explain what hose are, Kyle. <laughs> uh, what, what, are, you... what are hose, Kyle? They're women of ill repute, as Paul so kindly said. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, but I remember you could get by it by just putting a period in between uh like <laughs> the, the h of the letters. yeah totally so uh a lot of fun <laughs> in pso back in the day getting around that profanity filter yes um fun. i don't the the c-man had the microphone gimmick <laughs> yes i don't think ever applied to any other game there's like six yeah there there are basically six there are three versions of c-man that support it and then there's like yeah Holy basically shit. a total of six games yep wow hmm. okay yeah, it's it's not a very huge list. Do you have the list in front of you, Paul? I do. Alien Front Online, Christmas Seaman, 
Heisai yeah. Mahjong Shu. I, I butchered that. I apologize. Kiten Retsu Shunin's Gangan. Uh, <laughs> Oto I Ray Dreamcast Sequencer. Planet Ring. Propeller Arena Aviation Battle Championship. It was a prototype. And Seaman and Seaman 2001. Yeah. Got it. I didn't know there were that many versions of Seaman. Three of them for some wow. fucking reason. The Christmas one scares me. Yeah, I don't. That I don't actually want to delights know. me more than you, but more than you think. I I don't know if I want to see that game in action. I do, but I kind of <laughs> want to see if it's on YouTube right now. You know, and we never got it, but you got uh, Res uh, was originally a Dreamcast game. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys have ever played Res, but uh, it's a very unique and again odd game, par for course with oh. everything else Dreamcast. So apparently, Christmas Seaman was released in Japan in December of 1999, along with a special limited edition red Dreamcast. It brings me joy. I hope he wore a Santa hat as a fish. He better have. He better have, or somebody's getting sued. I found a Japanese-only video of of Christmas Seaman. Well, it was a Japanese-only game, so... I know, but you'd think some people would have imported it by now and made it an English video. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch that after the cast. Nice. So there are a couple of really weird controllers that we talked about. Like one is the Samba de Amigo Maraca controller, mm-hmm. which it's exactly what you think it is. It's a pair of maracas that you shake and it registers the shakes and it's an input controller. It literally only supports one game. It's just as ridiculous as it sounds. But it's not as ridiculous as the Densha de Go controller. It was made made in Japan, only supports one game, and Paul has no idea what the fuck he's looking at. I'm I'm genuinely trying to figure it out. It's it looks like it has a a gear shift and just this lever on the right hand side that Hmm. I it is a Japanese train controller. Okay. That that puts it into a perspective. So it like they they made a basically train simulator back in uh, two thousand yeah and Fight and literally it's it's the tr- the controls that a train conductor would use on a Japanese train. They are not very complicated. <laughs> it, it's two levers basically. Yep, and like three buttons on the bottom. Select start. You know. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing it's that happened like I just didn't now. miss anything. Didn't miss much at all on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like it even has a little cup holder. I, I don't know what that is in the middle, but yeah, yeah it does. It does resemble a cup holder. Yeah, that's I what did, I'm I, going for. I'm going to shrug and continue on my day. <laughs> so I, I feel like the the Dreamcast controller itself is kind of a gimmick, because it housed the, the visual memory unit, but it also had a jump pack, which is essentially like the uh, Nintendo 64's Rumble Pack. Mm-hmm. It, it was just this huge controller, as big as an old Sony Discman CD player. It could honestly almost be mistaken for one with that kind of circular design in the middle. It's so got it's about the size as the original Xbox controller that everyone bitched about. Yeah, the yeah. Duke. That, the, the, the Duke. Thing could, yeah, the thing you could drop from about shoulder height and break your cat's back. I actually yeah. think the Dreamcast controller is really comfortable. No, 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 I'm talking about the Xbox controller. I know. I know. But I'm just anyway. saying, like, I actually really like the Dreamcast controller. And also the it. Yeah. 
if you look at it, it actually looks very similar to what we have today. It's It's got the traditional layout we take for granted today. It's got the four color-coded buttons on the right, a D-pad, a thumbstick on the left, and L and R shoulder buttons. The only thing that's really missing are the other two shoulder triggers and the second thumbstick and a little I more economical design. I don't have the Dreamcast controller in front of me, and I also don't I don't have a good memory of it. The uh, oh, the joysticks are they at the bottom? Oh, perfect. That's what I was gonna ask. Uh, it is okay. There's... Yep, it... that is that is it's the correct way it should be instead of the yep. D pad above the thumbstick. Yep. It also yeah. the, the the power cord comes out of the bottom, and then you loop it up and put it into a special holder on the back of the Dreamcast controller Ooh. to hold your power cable. <laughs> As demonstrated by my Vanna White co-host. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fantastic little move right there. See, uh, see I, like, I like the idea of it because at the end, when you're finished with your controller, you can just wrap it up and then lock it in place. Yeah. Super helpful, really. I, I, mean, I like I, that you have that mm-hmm. see-through blue controller, too. That one's really nice. Yeah. That's our, yeah. That's our fancy uh, controller. <laughs> and you've got your VMUs there. I've got I've mine are all put away in storage, or I would have. Yeah, so had mine out just to look at. Say, they definitely make just normal memory cards. Yep. There were most a lot of them were third party. Here's a this is one that this is an official one. It is a. Oh, you got the Dreamcast four banger. Yep. It is four memory cards in one, and there's a little button on the top that you hit to select between them. That's very nice. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I own this because it has four different Fantasy Star Online saves on it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. And then we have, as you can see, three of the fancy views. Yeah, that's nice. Have, have charcoal gray, blue, and the regular thing. Brick white. They probably, they that's probably, probably gray now. Batteries replaced. I'm sure, probably. yeah. No, it's I'm the sure same mine. same color as the regular Dreamcast plastic. Yeah. But it's but pro- you could probably just replace it with a simple like watch battery, right? Oh yeah, they it actually tells you straight up on oh, the fantastic. Back exactly what battery you need. So. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the, probably uh, pretty common battery too. The the CR twenty thirty twos, which are yeah, they're basically they're very common. Yeah, they're just battery. watch batteries. Yeah, I mean they have like they have a little tiny D pad, little yep. tiny tiny D pad, and an A and B, and then sleep and mode, which for some reason. Well, so sleep is how you turn it off when when you're playing, and gotcha. then mode is how you select how to do different things because you can literally just plug two of them together and transfer Damn, files back and forth. That was the future in 1999, man. Because that was something you couldn't do with a PlayStation memory card. Dreamcast it's... does what PlayStation Play don't. I don't know. I couldn't. <laughs> you tried. That was terrible. <laughs> I don't know if that was even I mean, a try. The PlayStation memory cards barely functioned on the whole, so yeah. yeah. It's, you mentioned earlier playing the PlayStation without a memory card, and that was my first experience with it. Yeah, I got one and didn't know you needed a memory card. Yeah, and I must have fought the uh, Scorpion boss in Final Fantasy VII about ten times. Yeah, before I realized uh, what was going on there. Yep, because I came from consoles where. Save on you the didn't cartridge. need to. You just save on the cartridge. Yeah, cartridge. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, no I, I understand else. saving it, not saving on the disc, but you think some internal memory would be there? Mm-hmm. No. Fuck y'all. You get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you get jack and shit. Jack it left town. It sucked for sure. All back right. In those days. You guys have anything else to wrap up at the Dreamcast or Saturn? <laughs> oh, look at that. <laughs> Star. Star. 
Yep. Uh, I have two more games here I'm looking at from my Dreamcast, which is uh, Dino Crisis, which nice. is also a Capcom survival horror game. Nice. It is. And uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is a pretty it's... popular anime now. It's also a Capcom fighting game, which is just really weird. You have... It is bizarre. Yeah. It's a pretty sweet here. 2D fighter. He's got Fantasy Star Online on Dreamcast there. Yeah. Hell yeah. And because I had to. Power, Power Stone, Stone baby. Yeah. Um, and actually, so weird little shout out. If you own a Sony PSP, which is not very many people. Hey, I got one. Me too. Do you own Power Stone 1 and 2 for your PSP? No, I but can not. I? Can I get them off PSN? No, it's an actual cartridge. It's, well, right now. UMD. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> but they made, they, they took Power Stone 1 and Power Stone 2 and put them on one UMD and sold them for the PSP. Nice. And you can pick which game you want to play, whether you want to play one or two, because they are slightly different. Well, characters, but oh, they're only it's only thirty bucks used. Can you does it have online or no? Uh, I don't know if it does anymore. Okay, yeah, probably <laughs> not. I would probably imagine. not. Yeah, because yeah. I don't know how well the PlayStation Portable is still supported. <laughs> but yeah, it's called Power Stone Collection, and it's out for the PlayStation Portable, which is actually fantastic. If it's one of the like five games I still own for a PSP. Nice. So. The only ones I own are Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lion and Castlevania Dracula X Rondo of Blood. There it is. That's the only two I own plus the Parasite Eve PSP game. Oh, the third birthday? Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> yep. Nice. Yeah. Those are the only ones worth owning, though. I don't own a PSP. <laughs> womp, womp. Womp, womp. Sad Charlie Brown music. Cue it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. So that brings our console retrospective to a close. We have a one announcement we will kind of want to do right now. Yes. Um, so Paul and I are thinking about a new thing that we want to start working in randomly because we're running low on consoles to re- retrospect. Our, our list is getting short. So we're kind of going to work in a new thing that we're going to call our favorite games. So basically we're going to take turns and each of us is going to pick a game that is one of our favorite games that we have ever played and we're both going to play it and we're going to do a game corner style like in-depth talk about that game and we did a coin flip and if you have never gone to google and typed flip a coin you should do so because it's really fun but i won the first coin flip and so the first game we are going to play is my favorite game of all time secret of mana Ooh. Nice choice. All right. So instead of a console retrospective a month and a half from now, about six weeks from when this episode airs, we are going to talk Secret of Mana. And I'm then, looking forward to it. And then when the next console retrospective rolls up, we'll do another console, which would be 12 weeks from now. And then we'll do another favorite game and then a console and then a favorite game. And it'll, we'll just work it into the rotation and... That way it gives us plenty of time to play those and they don't get in the way of our game corner games, which are a little more frequent. So that's going to be fun, I think. I'm looking forward to playing it again and like really kind of sitting down and analyzing the crap out of it because I love the game and that's what you should do with the things that you really love. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to finishing it. Yes. Paul has, never beat, Paul has never beaten the game, so that is his challenge is to actually... It's, it's one I've never played that I've always meant to. I've meant <laughs> to get around to it. So yeah... If you do an episode, I can't wait to hear yes. what your yes. opinions are. It will be, be Co-op? Yes. You, I have a co-op. 
Yeah. Because you can play the whole game co-op, which is, yes. I always like that. I played I've, that a lot as a kid. I've played through it at least twice with two players through the nice. entire game and oh. at least three times with a, in a full three-player playthrough. Damn. Yep. Cause All right. We had a bunch of friends and we were just, we had two different save games going because three of us owned the game, I think. So we just, you know, we would come over and be like, all right, cool. All three of us are here. Let's fire up the three player version. Three player <laughs> Excellent. That's tight. And then it was oh, like, oh, like nope, it's only two of us. Let's fire up the two player save. <laughs> I, only got, I only got to do a two player. I never got to do the full three player. Oh, it's, it's fun. It's just, it's boring for a little while because there's probably about an hour or so before you pick up the second character. And then yep, there's yeah. a couple of hours before you pick up the third character. So yeah. for a little while, someone's just twiddling their thumbs and you can kind of, you know, pass the controller around and take turns. But, you know, it depends on if you can, you know, kind of agree to the like, okay, I want to be the offensive magic user. I want to be the defensive magic user. I want to be the, you know, melee sword fighter Slash guy. Flash, yeah. So. Well, hell yeah. I look forward to that one, you guys. I really do. Cool. I'm excited as well. That's what I, I love the game. It's a great game. So it's I've, I'm looking forward to playing it again. It's been a while since I've played that one and not one of the other weird Secret of Mana games. Um, so Secret of Evermore? Second Dead Setsu. No, Secret of Evermore is a different game. A different, yeah, it's a different series completely. Okay. But now there's uh, he- Heroes of Mana came out, Sword of Mana, Final What's Fantasy Adventure, one? Legend of Mana, Final That's- Fantasy. Final Fantasy Adventure was the first, was Second Densetsu 1, which yeah. eventually got made into Sword of Mana for the Game Boy Advance. Yep. So if you're going to play it, I recommend Sword of Mana for the Game Boy Advance because it looks much nicer and it plays a lot better. And isn't Final Fantasy Adventure? Yes. It plays a lot more like the Secret of Mana game <laughs> than. Isn't like, Final because, like, I'm trying to be Zelda, but I'm not yeah. Zelda. Because everything yeah. had to be Final Fantasy for Square at one point. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. All right. But so, hey man, thank you guys. I just want to say thank you guys for having us on, man. I I enjoyed really just nerding out about Dreamcast for an hour. I didn't yeah. have much to say about Saturn, but uh, it's been almost two, buddy. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Either way, uh, it was a lot of fun, man. I really just thank you guys for inviting us on. That was was really no cool, problem. man. Glad glad we could have you guys. So, where do you guys want our people to go if they want to uh, check out your stuff or find out more about what you guys do? Oh, so I'm going to kick this one to Ryan again because he does uh, it at the end of every episode. <laughs> All right. I see how, I see how it is. Yeah. Uh, you can check us out. We have a, a group set up at facebook.com slash experience grind. Um, you can check out our Twitter, twitter.com slash exp grind podcast. And uh, we have a YouTube channel, but not enough subscribers have a name. So it's just a bunch of random characters. So you just have to search for experience grind. We do um, some really cool things there like our showdowns where we just fight each other in video games and random guests too and uh that's always fun do you fight each other in real life uh, we did really. actually for an unreleased episode which hopefully will come out this year where ryan and i went and took professional wrestling classes uh yeah i don't think it's ever coming out i don't know if that will ever see the light of day but by god we did it and we did a whole episode on it and it's just stuck in editing limbo hell at this point so it's, it's the star wars christmas special of experience right <laughs> but star wars never christmas came out yeah yeah oh but then immediately went away this has not come out yet maybe it will this year uh it was like the fifth thing we ever did for the fucking podcast and has never done anything with it. So that sounds really awesome. Like it was a lot of fun. fun. It was a lot of fun. It was painful. Yeah. 
Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But it was professional <laughs> wrestling, like in a ring. I mean, we we learned to take bumps. We got suplexed. We ran mm-hmm. ropes. It was it was a cool day, man. Awesome. Weird, yeah. So hopefully, but again, thanks thanks you guys for just having yeah. fun. This was a lot of fun. I sincerely appreciate you filling in the gaps because I know nothing about either of these systems. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to help, man. I I could talk Dreamcast for another hour, honestly, but I I won't. So. I- and I'm glad I didn't have to like talk to myself for two hours because that would be weird. <laughs> You've done that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like Pokemon Uranium, goddammit. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but come on, the reactions were fun. <laughs> uh, uh, that one felt I painful. I hated that game <laughs> so much. All right. So, Paul, if they want to get in touch with us, what can they do? Well, you can find us over at podcast.loadedcardgaming.com. You can find me over at Paul Cluel on Twitter. You can find Dan usually, usually running our Loaded Card account at Loaded Card. And if you want to find us on social media, all the links are in the show notes at loadedcardgaming.com. And if you love us, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Five stars would be nice. I'm not asking for much. Or, you know, whatever you're listening to. It's usually iTunes or Stitcher. If you also want to, you know, feel like you can kick a kick in a buck or two, check us out over on patreon.com slash gaming. We appreciate everyone who's donated. Thank you so much. It is so appreciated. You have no idea how much. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Thank you guys for coming yeah. on. And we'll, we'll put all of the... Yeah, thanks for having us. All of their stuff in the show notes, too, so you guys can find them if you uh, so desire, and you should check out their stuff. Absolutely. It's good stuff. It's yay. <laughs> Always, always good to have more more gaming podcasts out there. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. thank you guys for coming on, and thanks everyone for listening. So, well, here's some smooth jazz to play you out. <laughs> I'm Paul of What's Paul Playing Today, <clears throat> and with me is... Wow, holy shit, i got to do that again. <laughs> oh, you were doing so good. Oh. You had it. You were right there. I did. <laughs> uh, holy shit, what the fuck happened there? <clears throat> you hit... Thanks, uh, voice. You failed me. <laughs> you hit... Uh, see, Kyle, Kyle take, a, take a look and see what professionals do. They oh, yeah. re-record mm-hmm. if they mess up I just and don't right just roll with shit. it. Oh, we're still rolling with it. This is live. Okay. We're just going to edit this out later. Yeah, on. we just when we when it goes to the actual RSS feed, we edit this part out, and this go, probably will end up as like a stinger. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, me being that. a total dick to Kyle. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, oh, just... Most of my flubs go into stinger. <laughs> all, all of our flubs go into stingers. Good, good. In fact, there was that one episode where the really long stinger was just us breathing and making meh, meh, meh. <laughs> like all this is probably going to go in the stinger. Yes. <clears throat> Big stinger. What's up? Yes. The Saturn launch. Yes. <laughs> Ryan, you're like tapping what the are microphone. You doing? <laughs> now, what is oh, going? Am I making noise? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> what are you doing, pal? <laughs> <laughs> doom, 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 doom. It sounds like you're launching grenades from a from an M79. So uh, apparently, my tablet likes to vibrate whenever I touch anything on it. So oh. no more researching. No more researching. I'll just. Uh, <laughs>
That makes a lot of sense. Just, yeah. just playing sit it I was going to start to look up some facts so I sounded smart about the Saturn. <laughs> I got caught red-handed. Can, can, we, can we use that as a stinger instead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you're, so. You're implying there's only going to be one stinger. <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> oh, that was, that's pretty good. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah, exactly what that is. I that swear was to God, it was, like a, it was like a cadre of M79s, and I'm just sitting here like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I thought he was just getting bored and like, you know, fidgeting with his fingers <laughs> on top of it or something, and just like, <laughs> you know, doing, no, doing this no, stuff, no. like, sitting there holding it and just being like, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> yeah. That's right. what I would be doing. I would be fidgeting like crazy. <laughs> that's my hands are firmly under my armpits now and they will stay there for the rest of the episode <laughs> well at least they'll be warm yeah there you go <laughs> all right so that about brings our game review game corner thingy console retrospective console, that that one i have words <laughs> words are words it just yeah! Won.